interrupt our program to bring you this important message. So, um, Drew, so you're um, New York, is that right? I am New York. I'm on Long Island, about 20 miles east of New York City. What's the, what's the story from the U.S.? The story from the U.S. is, in a nutshell, the same as it is in most of the places. We're just trying to sort of get ahead of the curve um, here. So things are changing rapidly for the past, oh, four or five days. We, we've gone from a climate of, oh, it's fine, it's overblown, it's the media, to like, oh, no, this is actually real, the math matters. And so we are getting to that point where things are starting to get locked down, and many times voluntarily, so that's nice, people are doing it themselves. And uh, the, the social distancing thing is starting to happen here. And of course, there's a huge amount of impact. So people are, are nervous about it. But to see the streets of New York City empty yeah. is, is That must eerie. be weird, man. Time, yeah, there have been a lot of people posting pictures of like Times Square, you know, the crossroads of the world. You, there's always somebody in Times Square. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a picture of literally Times Square during a weekday with nobody in it, except like in a movie where they do it on purpose. So yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally understand that, but you know, I've, I've been out this morning, right? And I actually posted a, a video just now on on my social media because I'm actually pleasantly surprised and inspired. Yes, I've been out and um, and it's as busy as ever. The cars are on the roads. There's people going to work, and it may have a lot to do with the fact that in this country kids are still going to school and yeah. obviously that that will make a huge difference with the economy but are kids going to school or are they in isolation in the u.s at the no moment? most uh, i mean there hasn't been a national mandate to close schools but many universities voluntarily did that about two weeks ago because we we're kind of in our spring break period so some closed early before spring break and many of them are going to online only for the rest of the semester which here gets us into like end of may early june and our public schools, our K through 12, many of those schools are beginning to close for at least two week chunks at a time and then reevaluate as it goes. Yeah, so, I, had a, I, yeah had a call, I had a call from my daughter's school this morning saying that they're, because it's the Easter holidays over here in a couple of weeks. Okay. They're, they're now thinking about closing down. I, I asked her, because my daughter's been off for a week. Okay. We've got a bit of a cold at home, so I don't know whether that's like, can I send her or not? So I've just kept her off. I asked the the secretary this morning, like, is there many people off school? And she said, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, they're just yeah. not turning up. I think uh, people here are, a lot of people are taking their kids out of school, even if the schools are open. So yeah, there yeah, seems well, to be a lot of yeah. leeway. And yeah. we're, we're kind of getting the message now, like, we sort of have to do this. This is the thing we have to do. I know that you, you guys have taken a different approach slightly in terms of official policy. Over Good old Boris. Yeah, yeah, I know it's been a little different. But the thing that I find really cool, if I can just you know add another 30 seconds worth here, is the thing that I'm finding inspiring about this is people here are genuinely making sacrifice in the name of, of like addressing the math of epidemiology, which is just math, it's numbers, we can't really argue with them so much, and people are truly making sacrifices that are real for each other. And that, that's, in a way, somewhat inspiring. And we're, I'm starting, whether you are out and doing the basics, grocery shopping, things like that, people appear to be a little nicer to each other. We have incidents where people are, tempers are flaring and things are, bad things are happening, but people are starting to pull together, which is amazing. It's great. Help me, uh, help me out here, Billy, because I, I don't watch the news and I didn't watch oh, the thing with Boris I've only just turned it off. Um, so, yeah, so help, help me out here. What, 
what was the general feeling of that? Because again, I'm hearing from sort of third parties and, and their experience and their stories. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the perspective side of it in just a second. But what's your general feeling from what Boris said yesterday and, and how are you feeling generally? I think the message that the government is sending is it's just hazy. Like they're saying that people shouldn't be going to restaurants and bars and socializing and stuff, but they're not saying that we have to close these places down. There's been a lot of talk about that. Same with the schools, like saying the kids aren't so susceptible to catching it. And if they do that, it's not that bad, but like their parents still have to take them to schools and gather outside. And it's like, if we're banning gatherings of more than a hundred people, like how many people are going to school? How many parents are there in the morning? So it's, I don't know, conflicting. That's what I get. How, how often are you watching the news? How many hours in a day? 24? A lot. I get up in the morning. I put, I just have like Good Morning Britain on. They're constantly talking about it. And then I usually put Sky News on while I'm sitting here working. And it's on in the background. It's not good. How does it, it make you feel? Not too bad. It's not too bad. I'm not used to it now. It does get a bit overwhelming sometimes. Like, especially when, because I'm working on the computer, like I'll jump on social media. I've got the news in the background telling me all about it. I'll jump on Facebook to post something and it's just, way. Because I tell you what, guy, I want to get your spin on this because I want to talk about perspective. If you control perspective, you control how you feel. Of course. And certainly from an anxiety point of view, the reason why Jane and Janet can go into the exact same position and deal with it in an incredibly different way is because of their perception. Mm-hmm. Now, what governs perception? What influences it? The obvious things are things like the media, government, guidelines, things that we should be doing. But what I found so interesting about going out today was, you know, I spoke to people dropping off their kids. I spoke to people at the gym. I spoke to people at the shop, including elderly people going out and and getting the shopping as normal. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, guys, there was, it was almost like there's two groups of people. There's one group of people who are confidently trying to go out and live their lives as they always would. Mm -hmm. Then there's this group of people who look gray. They look ill. They look fearful. They look anxious. They look depressed. And I get that because As we all know, these things on a mental and physical basis will make us ill. And it's perspective governing that. Now, the interesting thing here, certainly from what you watched with Boris and the news and the media and things like that, with it being so hazy, what sort of perspective should people be living by? Because that's the the sort of question mark here, isn't it? You make your own mind up. My, that's exactly it, Billy. So what I ask is a question is the only thing that matters is how we feel. I know that can sound a little bit loose, but generally in life, we make decisions based on how we feel. If you're feeling gray and anxious and depressed and you fit part of that group and that group, what are they doing? Is they're watching media a lot? They're being governed by certain sources of information, bottlenecked information in, in, in regards to social media and media in general. If, them, if, if you're feeling like that, is that the direction you should be going? And, and let's, you know, Billy, how are you feeling generally? I'm okay. I'm not too bad with it at all. Like, I always feel like I've got a cold anyway, so it makes no fucking difference to me. <laughs> I don't give a shit. 
like I'm not putting myself in any different situation now. Like if I go to my local shop, it's because I need to go to my local shop and I'll buy what I need, not what I think I might need if the apocalypse comes. It's just all systems as normal. Right. It's just that there's a different so story being it's told. It's not, not letting the what-ifs govern you as much and yeah, trying no. to predict the future that we're never going to know, whether it's coming from government experts or anybody else. Drew, how are you feeling? I, I, I think we're, we might be at odds here. This, to me, right. this is not an anxiety, how you feel perception problem. This is math. It's actually math. So I am in complete disagreement with the idea that, sure, just go live your lives. Be brave. Don't be gray. The math of an epidemic tells us that when you do that, you will spread it, even though you feel great and you have your positive outlook and your spiritual gears are cooking or whatever you like to say, you are out there helping to spread that. We, we have numbers that show that. We have huge amounts of data that show that. So I think what governs our behavior in a situation like this is not anything spiritual or perceptual. It is math. Okay. We, have to, we have to obey the math of epidemiology. And we have a few hundred years of this already. And we have other pandemics that have come and gone. And we have countries before us in the curve that dictate what will happen. Here in the U.S., you're a little behind us now, but what will happen there too. So I'm not sure that I agree that, that what somebody sh how somebody should respond to this COVID-19 pandemic has anything to do with the perception in the media. There's a ton of really good information that doesn't have a political or economic bias that tells us that about every three or four days, the number of cases will double. Not that people are dying. We know that they're not some small percentages, but when that number gets really big, then there's a really big impact. So this is why in most countries, we're doing this isolation thing to stop that small percentage of a big population from being a big number. So I'm not think, sure that I'm not I sure think that that's is, the issue. That's the issue yeah. over here is that like we're the only country. <clears throat> we seem to be so far behind what everybody else is doing. My girlfriend couldn't go to the Czech Republic last week because yeah. they closed all their borders. Like if she went there, she would have had to be placed in quarantine for two weeks. Right. So like she just didn't go. But we're like it is. We are being told to just carry on, but just be well, cautious. Well, the, sing happy birthday when we wash our freaking hands. That's what we, we, that's it. We were that two weeks ago. We were that yeah, two yeah. weeks ago. And at the top levels of our, our government, our leadership, we were getting that too. Be cautious, wash your hands, don't touch your face. That doesn't work because yeah, yeah. we know that people that are asymptomatic spread this, right? So that's just, we're just, at that point, those are political and economic motives behind some of that stuff. And I don't want to talk about that, but I think in the end, what I understand what your government is saying, their epidemiological explanation, they're trying to leverage something called herd immunity. Yeah. I understand what they're doing to a certain extent. A lot of people are disagreeing with it. But anyway, to bring it back to the point, I'm not sure that people's reaction in terms of their behavior and their lifestyle right now, we can talk about mentally how you react. I'm with that. But I'm not sure that, that anything, that anxiety or spirituality or, or mental health governs your physical response to this. What you do. Well, above and, above and beyond anything else, what yeah. fascinates me the most is, is individual perspectives and how we choose to actually look at things and see things. And it fascinates me, right. the different perspectives of this. And, it, and I think it's fantastic, the perspective that, you're, that you've got. Um, based on you know the, the the math and the science and and the last thing that i want to put out as a message is a an idea that you you bury your head mm -hmm. and that if we just think happy thoughts and we high five each other That's and say hey, you know this this epidemic this this pandemic or whatever right. you want to call it isn't happening isn't happening right. however 
what I will always promote, and, I, and the reason I'm so strong about and, and passionate about the message from a belief point of view, some people right. call it belief, some people call it hope, some people call it a bit more spirituality, you call it what you like, but generally, the reason why I'm so passionate about it is because I've been that person who would be gray. I've been the person who would be very much overcome with physical symptoms. You know, I went to the gym not too long back, a couple of weeks ago when coronavirus started kicking off. Yeah. I went for a swim and the same day, you know, I felt my throat, you know, and there were symptoms and these things. And, you know, I would have jumped onto Dr. Google, right, right. jumped onto coronavirus all over it, searching the symptoms. And I have absolutely no doubt that if I didn't think the way that I think today, which is based on what I'm talking to you about, mm-hmm. I would be bed bound right. with symptoms, with, with things connected to coronavirus, you know, throw all the symptoms in relation to that. Mm-hmm. So do you know what, what, what you said, Drew is fascinating because I don't think, I think it would be ridiculously stupid to ignore the fact that we're dealing with something very, very real here. And we need to right. certainly protect the vulnerable people, mm-hmm. but collectively, even the, the, the less vulnerable people, mm-hmm. the people that I went out and, and spoke to today, younger right. people, right. people who are looking unhealthy. Yep. The point being there, Drew, is that with a different perspective, what, what's your thoughts about with a shift in perspective, you can feel physically different? Yeah, well, we can feel physically different based on the way we think. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I, I'd be with you on that for sure. And I think the fact that you were able to catch, like, let me not immerse myself in Dr. Google and jump under the covers is is exactly the kind of thing we should be talking about. I agree with that 100%. We can choose how we react to this mentally and emotionally for sure. But all the only point that I was trying to make is that our mental and emotional state does not take precedence over the actual behavior we need to engage in to address the problem. I would agree with that. Yeah, right. So, so I would say, don't go gray. Don't immerse yourself in Dr. Google. Don't allow those thoughts and beliefs to overcome you. There are tools that we know you can use to help do that. And clearly you have been through those and you know them, but you're going to have to do it home right now. You're not, you're not proving anything to the world by going out and mixing. I, I actually believe that it's a significant part of the problem. The what, well, I'm sorry, the, how so, do you think? When you, the, the way you described it um, in regards to the overall problem and, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's the, the, the problems out there and then you've got the reaction and then you've got the solution. Right. I actually think in regards to the actual problem itself, this is actually part of it the way information is is put out mm-hmm. the way ideas and beliefs spread just like the actual pandemic itself I, I believe a big part of the actual war that we're fighting is out there on a scientific basis that the pandemic is out there but the real war is in here for for a lot of us the real war is in relation to fear and how we're choosing to see things. And like I said, I'll go back to my own example. Right. I absolutely fundamentally believe that if I was losing that, that war with fear, the one that's going on in my head, then I would be bed bound and, and, and suffering with coronavirus or certainly something that I would believe in relation to that. Right. So I actually right. think it's, it's part 
of the problem. And it's how, as much as anything else, with information, how bottlenecked it is. I mean, do you guys, do you guys remember swine flu? In, I think it's 2009. Do you remember it? I do. Yeah, I remember that. I had it. SARS in 2002, 2003. There were yeah, a few yeah. of these. Yeah. 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 Right. What do you see as the, the major differences? R0. Any difference. 2.1 to 3.1 new infections from every one infection. That's the difference. The difference is that this one is, is, has a higher mortality rate and, and a higher spread rate. And so that is a, those are real things that are happening in the world. And I am, I'm not a big fan of like, well, it's, it's the, the filter through which we see this, like that's the difference between those two. So we never got to that with those. We didn't see that because those numbers weren't there. So it I didn't impact it, us like it is, right? It's a combination of both, isn't it? It's yeah. a combination of both. Like this is way more contagious. More people are right. getting it. It is, that's fact, but it is also 24 seven news coverage. So it's like, we're, we're just getting everything. It's that's not like, like, like the others because maybe they weren't so powerful so contagious but like so when so when you said that's fact billy where do you get that fact from which fact that it's more contagious mm -hmm. well the fact that i'm looking right now at a map of the world and i can see so many freaking cases everywhere the world health organization the u.s center for disease control the chinese authorities the italian authorities the norwegian yeah. authorities the uk authorities like we have a lot of different and by the way i'm not trying to paint a doomsday picture this doesn't make it any worse it's because it's really not this is not the zombie apocalypse but that that's where those numbers come from don't i don't get my you don't get your numbers from cnn or sky news you get your numbers from those agencies and you look for a consensus across multiple political ideologies that should not be conspiring with each other like mm -hmm. If the Chinese and the Americans say the same thing, there's a pretty good chance that something's going on there with actual data. Yeah, I have been like watching the numbers. Like I'm, I'm not freaking out about it, but right, I, have, right. I have looked at the numbers, and it is, it's staggering, the rate, uh -huh. the rate that it's gone. Yeah, and like that's what frustrates me so much about like my perspective being from the UK, the fact that we seem to be so far behind and with the herd mentality, bullshit. But I think we, we have the ability for me, I mean, for, to back to the topic that the three of us are always addressing, which is mental health and anxiety and those sort mm -hmm. of things. Like to me, my approach to this has been, this is a real problem. You, you understand the data, you understand the severity of it, you understand what's not severe and we don't freak out over it. And we learned that we can confront hard things physically, really confront them. Not, you know, we can behave differently, we can interact with each other differently and we can learn to, to regulate our, our thoughts and our emotions and, and be a little bit more productive in the way we process it internally at the same time. That's, that's I think that I think. also, but that, I think on that as well though, Drew, I think it poses a question of, of whether in regards to uh, the, the constant information coming through the way that it is, is mm -hmm. that possible? What I mean by that is that if collectively, again, I'll use a couple of examples. This, there's a recent um, Joe Rogan podcast. He interviewed somebody on that. I don't know if you watched it. Yeah, I saw it. It was pretty good. You yeah. saw it, yeah? Yeah, it's pretty good. But generally, I found myself watching that, and then within a short space of time, again, the, the, the belief system that I'm talking about here, it took a significant impact. You know, mm. I, I found the fear, the anxiety, the natural sort of stuff that you get. Right, right. And again, here's the, the, the question that I'm raising here, because I'm not suggesting the because there's a balance in everything of course there is there's a balance here between seeing the facts 
and understanding where these facts are coming from and getting the balance between not burying our heads and appreciating that there's something real mm -hmm. that we're dealing with here. Right. But even with the Joe Rogan podcast, for example, the sort of belief system I'm talking about here is if we are collectively, and I think it's had, what is it, five, six million views now in a couple of days, something like that, maybe even, maybe even more the now. The, the one with the disease. The disease. Yeah, he had an yeah. infectious disease special. I yeah. checked it yesterday. It was 18 million views. 18 million oh, now. Crap, so that's a lot. Wow. So it's yeah. doubled in it. So let's say, so that's 18 million. His most viewed. Stuff. His most viewed video on YouTube, I think it was. Okay. Wow. Okay. Mm. That's, that's a myth. So 18 million views. Um, let's keep it simple. Let's say 18 million people. Um, I'm sure some people have watched it more than once. So it's probably not entirely accurate, but that's going to keep going up. Right. 18 million people have watched that video yeah. and have, if they experience the normal emotions connected to that, anxiety would be hitting, fear mm -hmm. would be hitting. The question that I'm posing here as something to also factor in, which I don't think a lot of people are, is um, what is that doing for you? So it's not a case of this isn't happening. Mm -hmm. It's not a case that we're trying to bury our heads in the sand. What I'm suggesting here, and what I'm asking you guys, is what it's doing for you. What is it doing for you? What is it doing for us collectively? The people who are looking ill, looking stressed, looking fearful, and we know these things can break down our immune system as well. We're not denying that, right? The stress, anxiety, fear, these things break our immune systems down. You know, the, the mind and body are intrinsically connected. That's what happens. And that's the point I'm, I'm trying to make here is if our immune system's not only being attacked by what it is that's actually happening and it's actually being attacked with what it is that we actually believe and the information that we're actually taking in. And I, I spoke to you not long ago, Billy, about the state of theta as well, right? In regards to picking up the mobile phone um, just before you go to sleep and in the morning you're in a state of theta which is a an incredibly powerful subconscious mindset to be in and you don't even realize it but fear is consistently rattling around in your head you've got the news on it's consistently there all this sort of stuff is is having an impact on our immunity and that's what i'm, I'm saying here in regards to a balance here i'm I, you know I'm, I'm i'm asking people finding out the facts, getting the news, getting this bottlenecked viewpoint, what is it actually doing for you? That's an excellent question. I mean, what I've been trying to tell people is like, you can, you can know everything that you really need to know from a practical standpoint about this problem in less than an hour a day right now. Like, I, I really believe that. So just immersing yourself in it all day long, all day long, is a form of reassurance seeking and there'll never be enough. You'll never get enough reassurance. So it just fuels the beast. And, and it's, it's, I would agree with you, Carl, it plays right into the hand of the bad guy that we're trying to avoid, which is, you know, bad mental health, anxiety, fear, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, that's what is it doing for you? Nothing. When you have the information yeah. and you have the guidelines you yeah. think are accurate, then take them and act and move on. I think Wait. if you also yeah. need to use common sense, like I've got the news on, but I'm not freaking out about it. Like this is, so your point does is valid but for yeah. me personally like i'm watching the news and it's not freaking me out i'm using common sense i know what i need to do yeah. i'm not going to go and sit in a crowded freaking whatever you know so it's just 
I don't know. That, that's different from the from the person who is saying they can't stop. I, I'm scrolling yeah, Facebook yeah. all day. Yeah. I'm scrolling Twitter all day. I, I I have the news on. I'm surfing the channels. Like, well, that's not productive. You're clearly not doing that, which is good. But for people that are, I like. Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's not serving them at all. It's not I helping. think that's the difference. Like, I'm not looking for answers. I've just got something gone in the background. That, that's my point. I'm not. I'm you know not what I would searching. Ask yeah. What, what, is that the way you would normally work anyway? If there was no yeah, yeah. pandemic? Yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah, yeah. Maybe the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, anyway. it's, it, no, that's, you know, look, ideal. Uh, and but even on that basis, the thing that I would also add to that, certainly from a subconscious point of view, is that we can be um, consciously aware of using common sense and things like this and still be influenced subconsciously. Um, and that, again, in itself is an incredibly powerful thing. And, and these are the reasons, again, why, you know, from a personal perspective, you know, I don't choose to watch the news. Mm -hmm. Haven't done for a long time. Uh, th this fear behind that what are the usual fears that i'm an ignorant fool that people are going to think that i'm ignorant that the in the eyes of others oh you don't watch the news yeah that's a, a you know a big big part of it isn't it or the, or the fact that this fear of missing out but i've got to tell you guys you're not missing out on anything trust no, me. listen i've got to tell you good news. in the last year few years that i've not watched the news i feel so much better for it and is that because i'm weak is it because i'm uh you know is it because i if i watch the news i can't take it no you can't avoid the news you you know i don't have normal tv either but i watch youtube quite a bit and whether you like it or not headline news is constantly in your face i didn't even ask for it the other day and it come up on my mobile phone updates about coronavirus you can't get away from it so it's always there but then again it comes to this choice thing doesn't it and what's interesting about what you said billy is um do you feel like it is and has been your choice to just have the news on. So I think Drew just said there, this is something that you would do anyway. So yeah, I'm not doing. Why, like why do you have the news on generally? Just someone here, innit? Someone to listen to. I spend ninety percent of my day on my friggin' own. That's it. Okay. So it's just—is this something that you've done for a while? Yeah, I, I like watching the news. God, how sad. What do you get out of it? Information. Input. I don't know. Nothing particularly. That, that, man. Does, that, just does that. What, that does what for you? Because here's what, this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that by watching the news or not watching the news, that it's either right or wrong. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is I'm, I speak to so many people on a daily basis, guys, who say, I've got the news on all the time. I watch it all the time. And these are the same people who are looking gray who are dealing do with anxiety. <laughs> do I look gray? I've put extra color Poor Billy. <laughs> Me. This, this, is the, this is the same, same people who are feeling anxious, feeling fearful, feeling worried, and having their uh, immune systems attacked. And I just, you know, it's just asking the question, what is it actually doing for you? Because it's almost like we feel like we have to do these things and we don't really think about it. But we just do it. I enjoy it. Like yeah. it's a choice. It's a choice of mine to sit and put the news on. I don't do it every day. Some days I listen to what news. What is it that you enjoy? Just listening to what's going on. 
And whether, what's, see, what's whether, it's, whether it's good news or bad news, I'm listening. So it's not like I'm biased towards listening to when some shit's kicking off. Like if it's a royal wedding, whack the old news on. Makes no difference to me. Do you watch the news often, Drew? I, I don't have regular TV either. I, I rarely, if ever, watch the news. But, but some people listen to podcasts all day. Some people listen to music all day. Some people just like to have the background sound, mm, I guess. That's what it is with me. Yeah, I, I think, but some people, I, I think, it's a good question. The question you're asking is good. What is it doing for you is a really mm. valuable question to ask. Yeah. Um, especially right now for people who are getting racked by the anxiety over this and, and they feel trapped by it. Like, what is, what is this information doing for you? It's, is, is it helping you or serving you in some way? It's, I mean, I, I contend that it might not be, but that's an individual call. If you're feeling agree. trapped by the, the information, it's Especially everywhere. I can't, yeah. yeah. If it's conflicting information, like that's especially I, not good. I, I agree with that too. Because of the overwhelm factor, I'm seeing a lot of that. I don't know who to believe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure you're hearing that too, right? You guys talk to people every day too. Like, I don't know who to believe. I don't know who to believe. Like I see this person saying this. With a, okay, just you got to tone it down and you cannot absorb 68 different diverse news for, sources then. Pick a few. Pick your times. You're exactly right. Guy. Look, this, you hear a lot of conspiracies banded around and even that term itself you kind of get like a, a double I've seen so many conspiracy right but, 5G. but here's, here's the deal right media news they're businesses they're there to make money they're in competition with each other and what is it that gets our attention it's fear okay that right, gets right. our attention uh, headlines this is going this is we're going to get wiped out this is worse than this this is worse than that compared to we're going to be all right which one gets the most click? Clickbait, right? This is the news. Government, um, they are designed to tell us generally what we need to hear. So I was quite, you know, specific mm. about the way I worded that. Right, right. What do we need to hear generally as a, as a society? Mm. Well, from a governmental point of view, it's whatever keeps us functional. So again, it's, uh, this is what I mentioned about the actual information that we are consuming. Mm-hmm. When I look at all these different sides and look at Joe Rogan podcast and things like that, you've got to have a look at, you've, it's not burying your head. All, this, all these things are happening. Shit's going to happen in the world. And that's just the way that it is. I get that. But then you've got, like, you had a Robert Kiyosaki, the guy who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Do you know about that book? I do. I don't. It's a great book. Um, one of my favorites. A, a highly respected guy, certainly in the world of money. And recently on his social media, he, he posted that all of this is smelling very fishy. Um, and this it's is a very irresponsible, very level-headed guy. Yeah, but um, that's still irresponsible. I don't care how level he is. So he's, he's posting on his social media to his audience that this is fishy. That yeah. message says, don't believe that it's a real thing. Go out to a bar. And so you know what I say to him? Read. I'm sorry you wrote a, a big book that people love and they idolize you because of money, but that is irresponsible. I have no respect for that, frankly. What is it that makes you angry about that particularly? It, it is because you can believe anything you want. So if he wants to believe that there's some vast world conspiracy to like, do this and make up something for some unknown reason because you know depressing the world economy is really advantageous to, to somebody which is patently absurd you you seem to you understand money that's nobody poor people are not worth it to, to rich people so if we have no money because 
the economy's depressed. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the conspiracy thing, but you can believe whatever you want. And nine times out of 10, what you believe is of no bearing to me. Have at it, knock yourself out. I try. But when what you believe does have a bearing on the people around you, because you are using your platform to promote behavior that can impact someone else's life, the vulnerable parts of the population, our healthcare system, that's irresponsible. You don't get to stand up there and say, well, I wrote a best-selling book, so I'm going to tell you this seems like a conspiracy, not without being challenged. So bring them on and I'll talk to them. I'll be fine with that. Just kidding. What about, zero well, respect. Well, what about, and again, I'm glad I mentioned Robert Kiyosaki there because, you know, uh, you know, the perspective on the other side of that, Drew, that you've demonstrated there is very interesting. Right. But what about media? Do they, do they not do the same? I don't. I think the media has a vested interest, like you said, in keeping our attention. That's how they make money. I don't like that that our news became business, but it's probably always been business. I'm not naive, but now it's huge business, right? Way bigger than like when we were kids. So I get that. I think, but we can learn to be critical consumers of that. So here in the US, you can learn to not get all of your news from Fox News because you're only gonna get one side and not get all of your news from MSNBC because you're only gonna get another side. But in the same vein, getting your news from somebody who is clearly promoting a conspiracy theory, why? I don't know who that is because I, you're not going to get over on me. I'm going to uncover this conspiracy. I'm the truth seeker. Okay, don't get your news from that guy either because some of that stuff is, is I, I, would, I would ask them, like, why on God's green earth do you think this is good? What benefit is it to anybody, rich or poor, to completely depress the world economy, which is exactly what we're doing for a reason? What's the reason? some sort of mind control thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I was hoping you were going to answer that yourself, Drew. You sound, you, you're a knowledgeable player. I'm it's, all it's listening. Insane. I'm listening. Yeah, it's, what it's what is this shit? You tell me, my friend. Right. Like, what would that be? So, <laughs> so I have a problem with that. I do have a problem with that. Like, this sounds all fishy. And, and I, I will vehemently argue with that because I think it leads people who we address, the three of us, people who are struggling with anxiety and fear, often irrational, it leads them deeper into the rabbit hole. So to suggest to people that are watching us that some prominent author thinks this looks fishy and it might really be true, I, I'm a, that's nonsense. Don't listen to that guy. He's effing wrong. I'll try and keep it family friendly. I've already but sworn multiple times. You did. You ruined it already, man. <laughs> we can't take him anywhere. Why? Well, if, if this was a if this was a non-swearing podcast, I don't know why I was invited. I tell you that. <laughs> Uh, as you can see, just, it's just, just, just to wind it up even more, Drew, because I want to hear you swear even more. Nice. Um, my specialty. Yes. What if, what if Robert Kiyosaki was, was right? Just like the media think or, or act like they are. Well, I don't know, but there's a difference between, wait, I'm not sure what you mean. If he was right and this isn't a, this, there's no such thing. It's a hoax. It's fishy. It's, it's engineered. It's, we're being played. No, no. So what? Again, let, let's let's be fair to Robert Kiyosaki because the guy ain't here to defend himself. True, so, true. Um, so the, the the overall thing was that he he said, look, it's it, it's a bit fishy, um, particularly in relation to the stock market. Big peaks, um, lots of falls and peaks again. And at these peaks and troughs, as you identified, Drew, from an economic point of view, yeah. um, certain people make an incredible amount of money from both the peaks and the troughs. They do. And, and this is a guy that, that um, has got, you know, pretty powerful connections, certainly from an ec- economic point of view. He's written books with, with Donald Trump and, you know, and, and from your side of the pond. Um, well, you know, well, look, you know, again, you know, different perspectives will have different views on that. Right, right. Um, however, 
you know, the, the guy, I know he's written a book, a very popular book, but however you look at it, this is, look, I'm with you. It is less about whether something is particularly true or whether it isn't. It's less mm. about whether something's a conspiracy or not. The right. point that I've been overall making, Hill, or certainly endeavoring to make, is the only perspective that will ever make a difference is the one that starts in your mind, the one that is in your own home. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I, the reason I felt really hopeful, inspired today, is when I went out and I saw large groups of people doing their best to live their lives as they always would. And do you know why, Drew? And I know it might be a bit different in this country. And again, it's based on what ifs about whether we're behind on this or whether we're a couple of weeks. Who knows? You know, again, I don't care where the information comes from. I don't care who the expert is, who they may be. The reason I don't is because if you find me the person that's got the crystal ball, who's accurately predicted the future 100%, then I'll listen to them. But that's never, ever happened. Correct? So as we stand right here, right now, the only thing that's real is this moment right now. So nobody knows. And and, and a ton of people in hospitals in Italy. That's real. That's very real. That's very real. And and it's happening right now. And you'll know more than that, more about that than I do, because like I said, I don't watch the news. Right, right. Now, the thing that I'm open to, and I'm always open to, because I'll take responsibility for all my actions, mm-hmm. is somebody well within their rights to say to me, well, if you're not watching the news, you know, how can you have a, a viewpoint? Well, I can have a viewpoint because I like to see things as much for what's going on. And, and I like to speak to people because you always get the information. It might be filtered, but you always get it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't watch the news is because I always pretty much find out what I need to anyway. I don't need to get my daily dose of it, right? It always comes through to me. The reason why I was so inspired is because, Drew, I saw people out living their lives. And you know why they're out living their lives? Are they stupid? Are they not taking advice? Are they not self-isolating because they should be? We're speaking about people that are going to try and do a job because they might be living in their overdraft. We're talking about people who might not be able to live off mommy and daddy's trust fund. Mm -hmm. We're talking about people who might feel like self-isolation in itself is fatal. And these people are out because they don't want to be treated like animals. They want to be able to live their lives. But we also might be talking about people that are dead in two weeks if they don't follow the advice. That's the problem. Well, well, that's, that's a really harsh statement. Like that's not, I don't think we're talking about that. Like you will die, but imagine it's possible though. It is possible, but imagine the state of that guy's. Imagine the state of that person's overdraft if they are wrong, which the data kind of says they are. Like most of the countries have agreed that that is wrong. You, I mean, you may choose to disagree, but the state of that person's economic—it's this is going to be hard for everybody. My, my overriding thing here is that this is hard for everybody. But even if you suffer with some kind of anxiety problem, which is who I'm always addressing, we can do hard things together. We can do this together. And if we do it now, a hard thing now, we can recover from it better in a shorter amount of time. But if we decide that it is inspiring to go out and, and, and walk through the streets because you don't want to be treated like an animal, you are asking for way more pain at a much deeper level later on. And to me, that is burying your head in the sand. Let's confront a really fucking hard thing and do it together. You because we it, can. You put it better than I did. 
what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm being just, I'm being an ass a little bit. I agree. But that's my point here. Like we can do hard things. So let's do a hard thing now. Let's face reality yeah, yeah. As, as frightening and as damaging and as how it might make us feel inside. We, we sometimes have to feel badly inside when we hear things. That's not a crime. So I don't, you know, I would not tell anybody that the object of the game is to seek out only the happy faces. We do have to seek out the happy faces. As a balance, we must have that. That's true. You cannot immerse yourself in the doom and gloom. But you also can't just, your strategy can't be just seek out the positive part. Can't be that. I think that's a very, uh, an incredibly um, rational, logical viewpoint. Uh, and and I, I really like that. Yeah. But the reason I also like this overall conversation is because although I understand all that, I also understand that culturally that is not reality. It's just not. No matter how Culture logical... Culture doesn't enter into it. Well... In, in the respect a virus doesn't know the culture it doesn't care what you think it doesn't care how you feel why is it culturally a different so culturally that's not going to happen culturally it's not here in the u.s for that to happen either but we're when, doing it but, but drew whether the virus cares about how we think and feel right that's less impactful than the how we think and feel to deal with it but what i'm saying though carl here is we're not disagreeing i think what I'm saying is how you deal with it, you don't get to decide. We don't get to decide how we deal with it. I, do, I okay. disagree with that. I, I, of course we do. And I think that's part of the problem. So part you think you think that part of it is we could choose to just say, I'm going to just go out and live my life anyway. Not necessarily. Whatever I want to do. No. no. That's, that's, not the only, that's the only thing I'm questioning. That's what I'm questioning. Right. Okay. That's not what I'm, I, I'm okay. necessarily suggesting. I didn't think so. That would be, I didn't think so. I'm, I, I'm looking for a balanced approach. Okay. And where I think there is a slight more balance to be had based on what you said in regards to rationale and logic. Mm. Um, and I mentioned culture. See, I think there is a big part of the issue here with the collective problem. The collective problem is that I don't remember much about swine flu, which is why I brought it up. And it was probably because we were going through all the shit of the recession and everything else that was already piled on top of us. Right? Because anyway, you don't watch the news. Might have been that as well, Billy. Although at the time, I was <laughs> at that time as well, though, Billy. I was watching the news. So I'm surprised that didn't impact me as much. The point that I'm making here is one of the major differences, certainly from 10, 11 years ago, is the impact of things like social media. And I keep mentioning this term perspective. Uh, the information that we receive from media and, and what is media nowadays, most people pick the news up from Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, a third of the world's population are hitting Facebook and that's where they're getting the narrative. The point I'm making here, Drew, and I'm, I'm working off the balance of the logic and the rationale. Okay. The point that I'm making here is you cannot, whether the virus thinks, Hey, Here's a happy chappy. I'm not going to infect him. You know, of course, you know, here's the balance, right? right you know, right. That, that's, that's stupid. You know, if, it's, if we're going to catch it, we're going to catch it. However, when this information is so bottlenecked and we are working from such a narrative that is only through maybe three or four powerhouses, that narrative can be very easily dictated. And perceptions become very, very powerful when there's a collective. 
And this is what I believe is part of the problem. And actually what I think is the major difference now between things like swine flu and, and, and it's misinformation mm. as much as anything else. I really do believe, like I've said from the start here, the, the balance here and what people should also be considering, apart from the logic and the rationale, is you should not be discluding your perspective and the belief system that you've got as part of this to deal with that. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Totally. That's what I said. I didn't think we disagreed as much as maybe we <laughs> thought we did. That's very fair. It was just my comment about dying. It that was... was- the whole day. It, it, what it is, Drew, is Billy, you know. Billy, Billy, Billy's, Billy's problem Billy's like, here, I'm just sitting here quietly. I think I said about he's, three he's words. Clearly the problem. He's, <laughs> he's the troublemaker, he's isn't the he? Troublemaker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. You have to be willing to understand like the lens that you're looking through. We all have our lens and it's influencing how we digest all this information. I do I agree with that hundred percent. I do. You have to be willing to own that and understand how it's informing your decisions and either respect it or, or reject parts of it. So, you know, boost some of it, reject some of it. I, I agree. I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. So here's the interesting thing for me then, Drew. Yeah. With the perspective that you talk uh, or, or, or do naturally take, and I, I've, like I said to you, it's always fascinated me. Uh, everybody's different perspectives and it's fascinating for me. So, you know, people, um, certainly taking, you know, a scientific, factful, logical, um, rational approach to things. And, and um, I think that that is just as important as anything else. With that said, where, where do you think belief does fit into this? I think, to me, belief is incredibly important in this. So I, I think we're definitely on the same page there. And I think the belief that, that I care the most about is the belief that we have in ourselves and each other to handle difficult things and to handle feeling uncertain and to handle feeling afraid and to handle all of those things. So I I think understanding, having that belief that we can do those things and that you can feel badly at two o'clock in the afternoon, but still be competent at three o'clock in the afternoon, I think is hugely important. So I don't see it as belief in what's actually going on. I, I see it more in your, the belief of your set of, Belief in yourself and the people around us to respond competently. That's, mm. what I, that's what I think is super important. That's where I put my, my eggs in the belief basket. I want people to believe that they can do this. Mm. No matter what it is, they can do it. Mm. I don't know if that made any sense at all. Didn't even ask hey, hey, listen, that's what that you asked. Hey, Drew, your, your, your borderline <laughs> happy clappy stuff there, my friend. We're... That was very close. <laughs> so listen, Wait, I need, some, I need some data. Hang on, let me get some data. <laughs> yeah, please. I need some numbers. Let's get some more data out, right? Let's you know what? The... I, the, the value of the message that you bring, it all matters. I respect it and it's needed. I, I, I do. I do. I, you can't live on numbers alone. I, I freely admit that. Billy, how do we make people feel less anxious? Stop watching the news. <laughs> Are you so, going to? No. I oh, need I it. Turn around right now. Probably. Yeah. I don't think we can. I don't think we can make like, people anxious about it. But it's not irrational to be anxious about it. Like everybody's, my dad's anxious about it. He doesn't have a problem with anxiety. Like he's nervous about it. He's in his seventies. You don't know whether he can go to his local shop or not. Like we're no different to anybody else right now. Me putting myself in the class of a anxiety sufferer. Like I have health anxiety issues. I've got a cough at the moment, but I'm not, I'm not putting two and two together because I'm too scared. No, I'm just not. It's just not. I know 
I have there's no way I've contracted the freaking coronavirus at the moment. I don't intend to put myself in that position. I think that's how you make yourself less anxious. Just look after yourself, isn't it? Don't put yourself in those positions where you might. That's it. Peace. Well, again, listen, boom, drop the mic, huh? Boosh. <laughs> He's out. <laughs> He's out, boom. You know, that, that's, that, that does sum it up a lot there, Billy, actually, because 80% of what you just said there is based on a belief system. Mm-hmm. It really is. There's logic and there's rationale based on what are some of the things that you can do? You don't need my advice about it because I'm not the best person to ask anyway because I don't listen to these guys generally. Um, I get the information that, that I need sourced. What is the, what has that information been? We don't need to go over it. Wash your hands, do this, do that. And, and, and um, avoid social contact as much as possible and the rest of it. Right. Got it. So there was 20% of that. And then 80% of what you said, just said there, Billy is very much based on a belief system because do you see as much as anything else, if you're dealing with anxiety, high anxiety, health anxiety, mm-hmm. any form of anxiety, whether you're dealing with that or not, collectively, this is what I'm talking about, the people that I've been speaking to. Generally, obviously, as part of my profession, I deal with people who are suffering with uh, anxiety-related issues. But collectively, the thing that I'm highlighting here and wanted to highlight is how much fear permeates the general person Mm -hmm. and how it isn't just about the general anxiety sufferer. This is, this goes way beyond that. This goes to what can govern people generally. What is it that governs people? What is it that gets them doing anything? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that gets you going to a job? As soon as we start to realize that we are governed more by fear than anything else, we can start to make, take more control of our lives and it starts at home and it starts collectively. I do have a point though. If we don't have any fear about it and we all do just carry on and go shopping and go cinema and shit, then yeah, but what, that, that's going to escalate the problem. That was the 20% of logic that you said as well though, Billy. The 20% of logic that you said was, is, is that we are dealing with something here and it needs to be dealt with. That's mm-hmm. logical. And that's what Drew has been saying. That's logical. Mm-hmm. That's rational. And that you, you, we, none of us can deny that. But we really do have to get so much more of a gauge collectively of how fear governs us and what it's actually doing for us and to us. And that's the, the, the overall point that I've been making here. And, it, and I actually really do believe above and beyond a lot of the logic and rationale, so much of that is related to the overall problem that it isn't just about anxiety sufferers. It's about fear and how it permeates and and what it actually does to us and how that affects our immune system, how that affects us physically, how it affects us mentally. And that we have to balance the logic here because as Drew pointed out, we can believe what we like. If I start telling you that I've just seen a pig fly over in the window, then I expect a call pretty soon from a guy with a jacket, right? It doesn't work like that, but it really does pay to understand what it is that's really one of the driving forces behind the overall quality of our lives. I would add to that, that for the people that we are addressing, and you're right, this goes way beyond people with anxiety problems or anxiety disorders, and it goes beyond the current situation. This is just life in general. 
like before this and after this, fear is pervasive yeah. for sure. I agree 100% with you. The people I think that we are addressing on a regular basis, fear is always going to be there. And I think right now people are going to be more fearful. And like Billy said, that's to be expected. The issue that I always find is being afraid of being afraid. So I'm afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I need to get rid of this being afraid. And now it's making me even more afraid. So people who are could be genuinely afraid or fearful of particular circumstances or outcomes that have to do with this, this particular problem we're talking about here, you know, the COVID problem, but then actually pile fear on top of that. They are afraid when they feel afraid. Yeah, yeah. So like that, my message is always like, well, it's okay to be afraid sometimes or sad or whatever our emotions are. You don't mm -hmm. have to be afraid of feeling afraid. That makes it mm -hmm. even worse. So first you got to get past that level and then we can talk about like maybe processing fear in a more healthy way overall. But if you're afraid of being afraid, you got to deal with that first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fear in the fear. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that. That's a big part of the anxiety cycle, isn't it? Yeah, fear, yeah. Of the fear. fear of the fear. Yeah. And then before we know it, we're fearing the fear of the fear. It's, um, yes, that's exactly right. So, but, um, absolutely. And, and you know, fully, fully appreciate how these cycles work. And at times like this, um, with what's going on, it is affecting us generally, you know, like, like you mentioned, whether we're dealing with anxiety or not, it's going to be affecting people generally, isn't it? it is, yeah. But the thing that connects the dots here uh, and the thing that we uh, tend to dismiss a lot um, when it comes to bottlenecked information and facts and logic and rationale um, is where confidence fits in all of this. You know, I've all, I'm always trying to strike this balance as a coach, as an author, uh, as, uh, you know, I hate the term, but I'm classed as a life coach, if, if you like. I'm always mindful. I agree that. Oh, please. Please, <laughs> please, please, you, please. You don't seem happy about it, Carl. I'll tell listen, you that. Listen, life coach. I mean, look, look again, terminology wise, you know, not happy with that. Yeah, you don't look happy. Yeah. <laughs> collectively, collectively, anyway, anyway, you were saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is a life coach? Well, coaching somebody on how to live. I mean, come on. This it. is why, you know, I've got question marks over it. However, I'm always looking to strike this balance between how we started out happy, clappy. Um, you know, if we just think positively, then everything's just going to be a-okay. Right. There's, there's got to be a balance here. And where the dots are connected and what people tend to forget is linked with confidence. And um, competence. And, and competence, logic, mm -hmm. absolutely. But yeah. in regards to fearing the fear, my own personal journey of, of understanding that cycle and certainly what helps to break it is be again, less focused on how much worry or anxiety you've got and what it is that you're worried and anxious about. One of the key ways to break that cycle is to appreciate how you feel about yourself generally and where confidence fits into this. Because as I told you, the example of Jane and Janet going into the same situation, why do they deal with it completely different? Because of how they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. How will Jane and Janet, same background, same, uh, you know, physical stature if you like same mental stature um or similar similar jobs similar ages how is it that one of them might deal with catching coronavirus very differently to the other mm -hmm. confidence i agree 100 confidence, confidence. Yeah. i can handle it where does that come into rationale and logic oh, goodness that's a huge we could talk about that for days probably that's the million dollar question i think you might agree with that like I've what, got a big that mind. Is, 
Got to pick my misses up at six. Before millions of days? <laughs> where you get it. No problem. But I, I think that's a million-dollar question in the topic that the three of us discuss online all the time. Like, what makes somebody – because that lack of confidence informs all the decisions that you make. If it starts with, I can't, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. How am I going to handle this? The world is happening to me, and I have no control over it. It puts somebody at, definitely at a disadvantage, especially in a situation like this. So where does that confidence? Why is one person more confident than another? Oh, geez, I wish I knew. I would sell it. Where the facts? Where the facts fit into that? Wait, wait, wait. Why am I so confident about this, but I'm not so confident about my other shit then? Perception. Confident in what though? What are you confident about? That it isn't going to happen, or that when the worst happens, you can handle it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, types of confidence. I'll be fine. Like I'll get over I'll it. Work it out. Yeah, yeah. Perception, what, Billy. Mm-hmm. Perception, and and that I'm an exception to the a, rule. That's a key reason as to why, again, yes, you might be dealing with things very differently, because again, it's a it's down to perception and understanding. You might be getting more of a hold of how fear and what it's been doing to you in the past and how it might have been shafting you up the arse without you even knowing. I would have felt that. You have, haven't you? Probably. Take that into context. <laughs> we'll save that for when we finish. I'm the... sorry. I know that. Uh, we're trying to be all serious here, but I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I uh, you know, That's going to leave a mark. You can sit down for a week. You, you've sorry? felt the full force of anxiety, right? Oh, yeah. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's the shafting. So it may well be. Have you ever thought that at times like this, you are actually a bit fucked off about it? Which bit? The bit on relation to how terrified you might have been about coronavirus and getting it. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't well, understand. What's meaning, the question? like, um, sometimes I talk about that point that you reach where you're just fed up of feeling the way you feel. That, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, you yes run out. No. Sometimes you just run out of the ability to be afraid. You run out of the ability to doubt yourself. Sometimes I think that happens. Like, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm still afraid of other things. Like, I'm not going shopping this afternoon. But it's not because of coronavirus. It's because I don't want to feel dizzy in the fruit and veg oil. Well, that's that's a cognitive learning thing more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, you've learned to... You've it's just that. weird that I... Like, I'm... I guess it's a difference between health anxiety and panic disorder, isn't it? Like, my health anxiety, maybe I'm in a good... Here's one for you, though. Billy. Here's one for you. Um, there's no difference in it whatsoever. It's the same thing. And if you start to deal with it in the same way, then you'll start to get the same results. Mm. Yeah, not asked. That's what I need to. Yeah. It's look. It's it's. It all it's, comes back to what we've been talking about. You know, you can call it whatever you like. Let's call right. it anxiety. Let's call it a symptom. Let's call it worry. It's it's fear. It's okay. fear. Fear is the thing that governs our lives. And whether it's about coronavirus or, or, or getting dizzy in a supermarket, if you start dealing with that in the same sort of mindset, you might find that you start getting similar results. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. in the end, it is that feeling of competent. Well, I think in that case, we learn competence, which leads to confidence. And the other way around, those two things feed each other, in my experience. Like when you start to, you can be a confident fool, can't you? You can. It's very possible. That's true. Um, But that's 
Wait a minute. Is that me? <laughs> See Billy Light up there? <laughs> Did somebody say competent fool? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My pager just went off. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think they, they do get intertwined together. And facing situations like this and coming out okay on the other side, regardless of the outcome, whether you got ill or didn't get ill or somebody got ill or you, you had financial troubles, that builds conf confidence and competence. So it's just the same way that going to the supermarket and being dizzy in the frozen fruit section and still being okay builds those things. So you're right. I agree, Carl. In the end, it all is the same fear. I tell people all the time, all those different fears that you listed on the paper are one fear. They're the same fear. Mm -hmm. And if and, and if you don't mind, guys, in regards to certainly a conclusion, you know, look, open the floor to this. But from a conclusion point of view, everything that we've just said there, what I started off saying, the thing that connects all the dots, whether it's about whatever may be going on in your life right now, the thing that we're talking about right now is coronavirus. But the thing that is going to help you both physically and mentally, the thing that's going to help you overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome, and you will because you're going to handle it, because you have to, because we all have and we all will. Right. The thing that's going to govern all that very much is how you feel about yourself and confidence. And that that's the overriding message that I've wanted to put in here with rationale and facts and all the things there's got to be a balance here. And as part of that balance is that you've got to start to have to think about how you're feeling about yourself. What is your perception and who's controlling it? Mm -hmm. But I would add to that. I agree hundred percent. I would add that. I don't know if we have the ability to simply choose to be confident. We learn to be confident. So you have to. Is that not the same thing? I think it's two different things because I, I run into people all the time who will say, I just can't, I can't do this. So they cannot just choose to be confident. So when we say to them, you must learn to be confident by doing this thing that you are not confident in doing and you get a positive outcome, then, then you build that little bit more confidence that adds to the pile and competence at the same time. So I think people get stuck sometimes because they feel like, I don't know, I'm just not as confident in you. I can't do that. They think they could turn it on. Oh, I could just feel better about myself and I will. I don't think it works that way. I, to a certain extent, it can. You can, you can reject the negative self-talk, I think, and do your best to try and get, walk away from that and, and, and manage that a little bit better. But until you actually teach yourself to be confident, I don't know if you truly gain confidence. It's a fragile confidence without action. And unfortunately, right yeah. now, the only action is just deal with what comes up in this COVID-19 situation. I think what's interesting about what you just said there, Drew, is, is your point about confidence and competence. Mm -hmm. See, I frame com confidence as a skill, just like you're saying. So yeah, a lot of us believe that you're either born with confidence or you're not. That's bullshit. I don't think that's uh, true. It's not true because yeah. like any other skill, it's something that you're either getting better at or you're getting worse at. I agree. The reason though why I think that, that it's not necessarily a question of whether um, the, the story that you're telling yourself is the thing limiting you, it, all, all it really comes down to is, uh, again, balancing that confidence and competence. If I said that I'm going to pick up a tennis racket and then give Federer a good game next week, then I might as well keep telling you about these pigs that are flying, right? So right. this is where the competence comes in. Right. But in regards to actual confidence itself, this is just where realism comes into play. But this is what I've been saying all along about the information and the story that we feed ourselves. That is such an 
influencing factor in the story that we tell ourselves that is the overriding impact into how we feel and how good we might be at doing things mm -hmm. if we were to just even give ourselves an opportunity to try. Yeah, I agree. Like that's the starting point of all of it. If you're telling yourself the wrong story, you're never going to take the action you need to learn that skill of confidence. I agree 100%. 100%. Billy, you feeling confident, my friend? I'm feeling competent. <laughs> Which means I'll give it He's a going go. Off the rails. Clearly oh. going off the rails here. Competent. <laughs> I like that. Competence. Okay. It, mean, it means you will try and you will eventually get better at it. And in time, your confidence will grow at the same time. Surely. Uh, competence. Uh, maybe like, I don't, I don't necessarily view uh, competence to me as like, well, I can, I can achieve a desired outcome. Or com an com outcome that yeah. I can influence in yeah, some way. So we are all competent because we can yeah. all at least attempt to all. do something, but we're not all confident until we listen, become yeah, if competent. If you, you notice, guys, I like, I, like, I like my spanners. I'm going to throw another little spanner in for you here, right? It's my, my last under the five I love minutes. this. Right? Hair for the, hair for the spanner. Here's, here's a little spanner for you. Have you heard of a guy called Dan uh, Pena? Mm, don't know the name, sorry. No. Nope. So he's a guy, he's a... Um, he's a he's like a he's a multi-billionaire but now he um he's like a he's a coach he lives in he's an american guy but he lives in a, a castle in scotland i just found him that's fascinating yeah 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 cool right this guy see this is where this spanner comes into play as well though guys and it's the Brilliant. spanner that i kept talking about <clears throat> see that guy Here's, what, here's, the, here's the overriding question that I've been asking, but I want to be a bit more fucking direct with it. Oof. Boom. I'm not dropping the mic yet, Billy. I already did. What comes first? It's a bit like chicken and egg. When, um, I'm going to come back to Dan Pena in just a second, but when Usain Bolt's standing on the line at the 100-meter race and he's looking down at the end of, of, the, of the race, you see his eyes looking down visualize it and that guy's won the race before the gun's even gone off mm. what comes first is it the fact that he's won it or is it the fact that he's believed that he can win it you when you think you become the fastest man on the planet if you don't believe it that's the question i've been posing all along here the reason why i brought up dan pena mm. is because that guy will sit in front of you and he will say he calls people C-U-N-T's a lot as well. I was going to actually say it then, but I won't shoot. You know, this mm -mm. is the first thing we've done here. We're not doing that, right? Mm -mm. That's, that, that's a no-no. That just encourages me even more, Billy. Right. <laughs> Don't so tell him not to do it. He's going to do it, man. No. <laughs> we have a high ratio of female viewers. Mm. Obviously. Okay. okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, listen, <laughs> how polite was I, Drew, and just doing what I just did? Very Normally, good. I would just cut straight out with it, but I'm, I'm being respectful. Right. Super impressed. This guy says it all the time. I love it. I don't I actually, you know, don't mind it as a term at all. I don't mind swearing as you can gather. But yeah. why have I brought him up? Because he will sit in front of you and he'll say, you know, I'm, I'm special. Um, and uh, and I, I, I change people's lives and I, I do special things and I can do things that you can't do. Mm -hmm. And he sits there and he'll tell you. And, it, and, and like a lot of people would do that, again, there's this balance between pigs flying, picking up a tennis racket and giving Federer a good guy. But you've got to ask yourself a question, uh, and let's keep this relevant to viruses and, and coronavirus. You've got to ask yourself the question like you just did there, Billy. 
that absolute belief system that you had about the fact that even if you've got it, you're going to deal with it. You've got to ask yourself a question, how powerful that really is in relation to the overall picture of things. Because if you don't believe that you can win the race, you ain't going to win it. That's, that's true. I, the, which one comes first? Well, it depends. It depends, in the neck. It depends in the neck. what winning the race right. means. What does winning the race mean when it comes to a virus? Like if I, if I think I'm not going to deal with it, it doesn't mean I'm going to, does it? So that was your point. So what you said was why winning the race for you based on what you said, Billy might be the, um, what you actually said was, why am I anxious about certain things, but not about this? Maybe mm -hmm. to you, that's winning. I don't know. Yeah. I'm confused. I'm still thinking about Usain Bolt. So, but which comes, does he win the race because he believes it, or does he believe it because he wins the race? Is That's it. You know, that's, know. that's a, the, the second million dollar question. But what does win, what is the goal at the end of the race? I, oh well, I guess whatever the objective happens to be. Well, there, whether there is, the objective is to to survive the coronavirus. I, I whether would, whether I believe I'm going to or not isn't going to have an outcome on whether I do or not. That's where you're wrong. Yeah, I agree with that too. I agree. That's with where you're completely I, wrong, and that you just summed up wait, in a very indirect way. That wait, is completely wrong. So if I think I'm not good, if I think I'm going to die from the coronavirus, I will. No, not necessarily. Just like That's if you the think point that I was making, doesn't mean you're going to win it. That was what I was saying, though. Right. However, if I believe I'm going to survive coronavirus, I will. But if I'm if I don't believe I will, then I won't. No, no, no. Nobody said that you will. Nobody saying asking, that. That's why I asked. What is the prize? No, again, the because we've got no crystal balls. There's, there's no definitives. But it, here's where the question is posed. Because again, I, I pose it as a question rather than a "this is for sure." It's chicken and egg. What it comes down to is the question about how powerful belief and. and the process of that is in any process There's, there can't be any definitives because it's like being able to read the future it doesn't exist mm -hmm. you can't say i'm going to win the lottery you know you've heard of things like law of attraction um the the major down all the boxes he's checking them yeah. all life coach yeah. law of attraction <laughs> yeah. you got it right what's the major downfall of that well last time i sat and thought oh did, 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 bring the checks in the post did, 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 did. you know no fucking checks come through my mail i'm giving you a high five on that brother Boom. Right there. Got Boom. It. could not agree we, with you more. Minute, are we allowed to we allowed to do that online oh, it's virtual yeah. look yeah, social distance. <laughs> yeah. i still want to defend my my honor in my answer from not winning the fucking race here <laughs> can we get back to it what was your question? No, you asked the question. Or I, I proposed the answer of whether I believe I'm going to get over the virus or not. Doesn't pose matter. A question, pose a question based on what it is you're confused about. Let me tell you the scenario, and then we'll see if we can decipher a question from it. That's Got probably it. going to be the easiest way. We were talking about whether I believe I'm going to be okay if I get the coronavirus or not. And yeah. I, I want to know how that... What, okay, let's backtrack. Wait, wait, wait. What you actually, wait, wait. What you actually said the was the outcome of me having the coronavirus. Whether I what believe you, no, no, no. Listen. What you actually said was 
whether I believe it or not, that's not going to make any impact on my life whatsoever. That's what you uh, actually no, said. No, I said, it, I said it's not going to make any impact on whether I live or die from it. Right. Let me, let me try and, I think, decipher a little bit, maybe. Please. I, I think Billy's definition of winning the race is I am physically, literally alive on planet Earth when this is all over. Yes. Not like I survived it, like, oh, I still have my house and my family and I have a job and I'm okay. It's yeah. literally dying. Breathing. Yes. Yes. So what we're then also putting in here is all these fucking spanners coming in, guys. The, the, the other spanner involved in this, because there is another one here, is what your actual objectives and goals are generally in life. Right. Just keep breathing. So, you know, I would posit that in terms of this particular problem, the coronavirus that we're talking about here, that's not what defines winning the race. Like, I think it might be the wrong, the wrong objective in a way. Because, because the reality of this, to just bring it back to like my original stuff, is that the vast majority of us are going to be just fine physically. That's true. How deep do you want to go? Do you want to go a bit philosophical? Oh, my days. Bring it, man. Can I handle Hang it? Hang on. Let me get my Marcus Aurelius behind me and let's all roll right, it. All right. Okay, let's do it. Right. You lost me I when we said hello um, to each other. Go on. I, I mentioned earlier, and again, this is this this balance i keep bloody talking about that i keep trying to strike as a life coach i'm there i just i've mentioned that term again just to wind you up life coach hashtag uncoachable oh that's it right <laughs> now uh, goals when you start talking about goals and oh and and factory hey what's your goal you know i'm even cautious about things like that but it's like what i mentioned earlier what what is defined as winning the race well look life's a journey i think we can all agree on that right we're all on this journey and you know the only thing that's ever counted is how you feel okay and that is the thing that i've been saying all along in every point i've been trying to make that whatever fact rationale media news virus or anything else maybe pounding down your frigging throat. The only thing that's ever going to be or count or matter is how you feel. So if you want to talk about winning the race and what that means, think about how you feel because that will tell you everything that you need to know. Well, we was talking about coronavirus. That was my race. My race. Talk, but, but the point I was making it was survival. You can talk about whatever you like. You see, I'm t- what I'm doing here is trying to simplify. Yeah, the thing. see, you're you're going, you're going like that, and I'm just you going. Can talk, you can frame, Billy, frame it however you like, mate. You can call it coronavirus. You can talk about going to the supermarket. You can call it anxiety. You can call it fear. All it ever comes back to, and the only thing that we ever need to be aware of, is how we are feeling. And then when we talk about how we're feeling, because that can sound real fluffy, and I'm not fluffy if you haven't noticed, right? What do I mean by how you feel? As much as anything else, what we need to get the balance right with on this journey is the only thing that's real is this moment right now. But then it's how we feel collectively. It's how we feel in any given moment because that's the only thing that's real. But then this is where things like generalized anxiety come into play. Because if we're stuck in that loop that we've mentioned about fearing the fear, then that is a collective feeling that is not working for you. So in regards to winning the race, whatever that is defined for you, whether it's coronavirus or overcoming anything in particular, the only thing that's ever going to count, Billy, is how you feel. 
27,000 people waiting for me to explode right now. <laughs> 27,000. Where are we posting this? No, I don't even know. You guys have big followings. I, I don't. Um, what, what was it that, uh, that required TNT on that, Drew? It's not how you feel. It's how you react to how you feel. How you feel doesn't fucking matter. I'm sad. I can't be sad. No, go ahead. Be sad. I feel uncertain. Go ahead. Be uncertain. You can handle all of those feelings. So I am like, I don't, I don't think it comes down. We're probably saying the same thing. I think it's a subtlety in the well, end. Yeah, we, we are. And I'll tell you why. No, no, no. I'll tell yeah. you why. And I understand again, from a perspective point of view, yeah, because yeah, again, yeah. I've got strong perspectives about certain things and <laughs> you've obviously thought about certain things, but here's what I mean by that. Cause right. again, I'm sure you probably get fascinated by different perspectives too. I do. What is the fucking difference between telling yourself I'm feeling sad and then telling yourself but that's okay to do that. Is that not all connected to the same thing? Well, I mean, I'm generally dealing with people who say I'm feeling sad. Oh my God, why am I feeling sad? I don't want to feel sad. I shouldn't feel sad. I'm a loser because I feel sad. I can't stop feeling sad. I'm going to feel sad forever. All you just described to me there were two different feelings, feeling sad and then regret. No, no, feeling but, sad and then being afraid of feeling sad because it feels uncontrollable. And, and something that they cannot. And what, what, how is that defined as an emotion? What emotion is that? It's, it's not, it's not an emotion. It's a fear response. It's fear. Anxiety. People argue is fear. No, the fear of the way I feel, for instance. So I feel sad or I feel uncertain about this. So I feel uncertain about something on a given day, but I'm afraid of feeling uncertain. I don't like this. I want, I, I demand yeah. that I feel this way. I demand that I feel this way. And if I, don't- I, hear, I hear that, but that again, is just a, a sub emotion uh, uh, to, to an overriding emotion. You feel sad. That's the emotion. The, the sub emotion to that might be regret, might be anxiety, might be more sadness, okay, but right. whatever it is that you're telling yourself. Uh, and again, you know, <laughs> the way I, I, I communicated it, because this is something that you've obviously thought about a lot and i get this because like i said i've got views on certain things myself and i'm you know and i pick up on certain things and that's why i was saying to you as well that this is not a fluffy con concept how you feel really does count in my opinion why because it's how it defines the overall quality of life uh, our life and whether we are feeling an emotion in relation to anxiety or sadness then coming off the back of that is exactly the same thing because it just translates into how we feel it may well be that how we feel we shouldn't really give a fuck about it like you pointed out it may well be that is it going to make a blind bit of shit right but there's a bit of nihilism in that I would call it stoicism more than nihilism if we're going to go down that road. But like, to me, the reason why things get fluffy is that when you're trying to teach somebody out of this problem, you can't teach them, with just thought like thought alone, it only matters how you feel. And and then it's a sub emotion and regret. And like, those are, that's a lot of thinking. And and that thinking seems to continually dig a deeper and deeper hole for the people I've done this with for many, many years. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, so wait, that's regret. I have to label that as regret. That's a sub emotion. That's how I feel. No, no, the difference is you feel sad. Actually, go ahead and live your life, whatever you think you want to do right now, feeling sad. It's okay. Like it's a mm. doing thing as much as a thinking thing. So that's where. Do, do, do you know what, Drew? I like that. I like it a lot. I think where the challenge would be, no, certainly from my perspective. <laughs> uh, no, I like it. But the challenge would be from my perspective is that's yeah. kind of like 
asking somebody who's on a roller coaster ride on the journey that we call life, asking them to somehow jump off it. No, it's asking them to keep going. They jump off when they get stuck in thinking, thinking, thinking. I don't like this ride and let me jump off to the side here and just think about this ride and why I don't like it and why it's going to kill me and why it shouldn't be this way and try and straighten that track in my brain. And I'm saying, stay on the ride, let the ride go wherever it wants to go. And, and you can go as you, and you can go as you go. So I'm never asking them to step off. I'm asking them to stay on the ride. Why do you take such an adverse point of view about it all being emotional or about crowd, how you feel? Crowdsourcing, strictly crowdsourcing. So I, I know you and I don't know each other. This is a thing that I've done for many, many years. And I'm confident in saying thousands of people. And almost without, almost without exception, the person who spends a lot of time trying to think and emote their way out of this problem winds up in some form of the problem or other for a very long time. Now, you have to think and you have to process emotions. That's true. But, it, but I... And we're probably saying the same thing, dude. I think we probably are. This is the conclusion I'm coming to. Yeah, just that, just that I, I, maybe, I say it differently, probably. And I might, uh, might emphasize one thing over another. Like people would be funny, funny for, to hear somebody, people would be surprised to hear me say, all that matters is that how you feel. Because I would say, no, it doesn't matter how you feel. But in the end, we're saying the same thing. It's so subtle. And I enjoy it, though. Like, yeah. I really do. It's all woven together so tightly, I think. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, again, it's the thing that I said I was it's fascinated. Sitting there vaping. Yeah, listen. listen. <laughs> like a smart ass. <laughs> it's, it's the thing that I said I was okay. fascinated about. You know, it's this, it's this principle of, of there's different ways to skin a cat. Uh, and, uh, and, and ultimately, what is the thing that overridingly matters of whether I say, the only thing that matters is how you feel from moment to moment. And you saying the only thing that matters is not giving a shit about that. The collective thing that binds it all together is what the objective is. Right. What is the objective? Billy, why the fuck did you bring us to this podcast? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't remember anymore. It was about coronavirus. It was about I think. coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, that was my that was my goal. Yeah, you're. I think quite literally survival. Where maybe uh, yeah, yeah. maybe we're addressing something slightly different. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy, what, have you got any conclusions? Not really. I've got a question that people that might be freaking out about coronavirus might want to hear. It's about like just the underlying health conditions we keep hearing about it. Like you guys know what you're talking about the news keeps talking about underlying health conditions. Everybody with health anxiety thinks they have an underlying undiagnosed secret health condition. Like how can they start to rationalize that? Like I'm sure if they did have one, then they would know about it, but people do believe that they have underlying health conditions. So what's the, what's the go-to thinking on that boys? I think what's fascinating is that you might get two different answers here based on this podcast overall and i think oh, that's cool. yeah, that's good that's, that's cool yeah that's, that's what's been the benefit of this yeah. yeah that's cool here's my perspective um based on how i choose to uh control uh, not, not not as a control freak but how i choose to be able to um feel collectively throughout the day i would 
have probably not picked up that information at all. So it would make very little influence or impact on my belief system because I manipulate the information or try and do that as much as I can. Um, it means that that probably wouldn't have got to me to the extent that I'm kept up at night worried about it. And that's the thing I've been saying all along here because that's the thing that can impact for a lot of us the most. The fact that mentally and physically we're so intrinsically connected that our belief systems, as soon as we start to pick up, there's a thing called medical um, student syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of that, medical disease or something like that it's called. Definitely. Yeah, you heard of that, Andrew, yeah? It's fascinating. It is fascinating. Fascinating. It's, it's, it's the concept that it's more in America, actually, Drew, isn't it? It's not so it much is. over here, but it's, it's more it's in America. It's here. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, rampant in the U.S. for some yeah, reason. U.S. medical yeah. schools. I'll tell you why it's rampant in the U.S. more than it probably is where we are, Billy. Cowboys. Why? Because Cowboys. it's because it's more widely known as a concept, and like any other idea or belief, it yeah. needs to be widely known for it to be effective. Yeah, it's true. Coronavirus, anybody? Yeah, Coronavirus, anybody? The point I've been trying to make all along. Listen, everything is the point you've been trying to make all along. If yeah. I start talking about cricket, yeah, you're going to say, this is the point I've been trying to make all along. You don't know point. cricket, Drew. <laughs> Medical right. student syndrome, for people that don't know, Drew, right? Yeah. It's the concept that the students who are studying a particular subject on a disease, let's say, okay. and they get so ingrained, so engrossed in what they're studying, they actually start to believe that they've got the symptoms. And they start to manifest the disease itself, Billy. That's yeah. deep, isn't it? Yeah, but I've, like, if we revert, I'm sorry, we've got to revert back to my question. This People, is the, Billy, no, no, this no, is no. The question. No, this, no, it's, no, not, it's actually question. not. No, it's really not. The question that I asked is people that already struggle with health anxiety believing that they've got an underlying health condition. No, no, no. Like, no. See, what can they do to deal with it? Not people that might develop health anxiety because they're hearing all this shit going on and then they might develop health anxiety and underlying medical no, 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 conditions. Listen. I'm on about okay. people that already have it. Listen, I got your question. I got it. But the reason I'm answering it the way that I am is because. I'm highlighting how the process works, which is just as important whether you've got it or whether you develop it. It's all part of the same process. The power of belief, the power of the mind is an incredibly powerful thing. Health anxiety in and of itself is an incredibly irrational condition. And to think that you can sit there and deal with it with as much rationale as you like, which again is things like CBT and processes like that try and do. That's why they fail so often because you're trying to deal with an irrational condition with as much rationale as you can give it. It's not always that successful. That's not true. Okay. Well, look, you know, look, you, you know, we'll, we'll tackle that. Drew, we'll, we'll get that. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I, you know, the reason why, people do CBT and things like that and continue to hit this brick wall is because of this, this notion that I'm sharing right now right, right. is trying to deal with something that is incredibly irrational. So I can say what I like here, Billy, and I did, I've dealt with this on a personal level. So I understand how health anxiety works. I could sit here and say to anybody, Oh, you know, d d just think like this, just think like that. Health anxiety doesn't work like that. Yeah. What's more powerful for me to do for you is to help you understand how the power of the mind works. Yeah. 
you want to have a look at something like medical student syndrome, things like placebos. And you need to understand how at the core of things in relation to belief influence the overall result and the outcome. In other words, if you're finding that things like the news, the media, and the things and the information that they're putting out are negatively impacting you, Ask yourself the question what it's doing for you. Because as soon as you start to become empowered about other things in your life, you give yourself an opportunity to deal with them a whole lot better. In a kind of way, what I'm saying here, Billy, is that in a way, naivety is bliss. Absolutely is. And especially when it comes to things like health anxiety, it is more than blissful. And that belief system, where you choose to put your focus, you get more of you get more of whatever it is that you choose to focus on. If you are constantly filling your mind with experts telling you that if you've got this, this or this, you are going to have a high probability of dying. What do you think that's doing to a belief system? There's a, an American guy called Les Brown. Yeah, speak if you had been, Drew. I've heard of Les Brown. Yeah, yeah Les Brown. Probably familiar with the work, but yeah. He got, I think it was pancreatic cancer mm. or a form of cancer. Yeah, yeah um, uh, I think it was, it was a while ago now. 2014 I think it was and he went to a doctor and uh, the doctor said I can't help you you know this is an advanced stage I can't help you here right and he said well your ability to help me has ended and then what he chose to do is he chose to go and speak to people that had survived that <sighs> had changed their lives that had done all these many different things that were a positive influence rather than be bogged down with the doctor's diagnosis and he's in remission he recovered, and he's just one of many stories like that. So to answer that question, come away from the information that isn't working for you and fill your belief system with what will. That's a lot of words. It That's was. a lot of words to try and emotionalize <laughs> and rationalize away an obsessive compulsive disorder. So if you think that you have an underlying condition, because it's too late, you already think that because your obsession and compulsion drives you to get the information. They already have it too late. It's in there already. Yeah, we've seen can't them. believe it away now, right? We can't do that. So if you have it, all you have to do is you're going to have to believe that you have these underlying conditions. You're not going to change it. Like you, it's too late. You already believe that you have them. This is a pattern you've had for probably many years. And so the best you could do is to step away from the reaction to that and go ahead and let yourself have tuberculosis. Go ahead, have it. If you think you have it, go ahead and have it. And when you don't have it, then your belief system can actually change. So I don't know that we're on the same page on this one. You, you said a lot of words that sound super fluffy that I don't think I could, would help somebody who's in the grips of what is essentially an, a, a gripping OCD thing. I think, yeah, I think Carl, you the were compulsion talking. compulsion is to check, the compulsion is to check. We, we cure the obsession by quelching the compulsion. So stop checking. Now, if you catch it ahead of time and not go down the rabbit hole, I'm with you yeah. 100%. But mm. for these people, it's too late. It's already too late. As soon as they heard coronavirus, they're going to dig into it as far as they can. And now they're in it already. So, mm. yeah, we can't tell Listen, them to just shut the door. because now we've, they already we've, have we've, we've, we've finally found something, Drew. Yeah. Because we finally found something that, that is, that, that is a, a different mentality for us both. Because yeah. I've coached thousands of people and I can give you their stories. You can get in touch with them and I've worked with them. And although some of the things that admittedly I can say, you know, do sound or on borderline of, of being balanced out by fluffiness and self-help, which don't help. Mm -hmm. I've worked with people and I really believe um, 
through a lot of the things that, that I've helped them with. And you speak to them yourself, they, they've right. overcome these things based on the principles that I've been talking about. Right. It sounded like you were talking more about preventing health anxiety and Drew was talking more about people that are already struggling with it. That's what I, I think, took, I that's think what so I took from that. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you, Carl, that you're right. You can try and work yourself out of that thing slowly and prevent future occurrences. Yeah. That's, that's what I took from that. Right. Right. But no, because I think look, I, I, I did actually mention that I could sit here and I could talk to you all day about rational practical solutions to overcoming health anxiety and hardly any of them would make a difference because I understand how strong the compulsion is. Health anxiety was the most persistent side of my anxiety. Right. because It's the one that um, fulfills the addiction to worry, mm -hmm. which is what we're talking about here, by the way, right, it's right. an addiction to worry. Yep. And, and what do we need to do with health anxiety to fulfill that addiction? Just have a little think about how you feel. Right. Jump onto Dr. Google, Absolutely. type in your symptoms, and then you can fulfill that addiction as quickly as you like. Mm -hmm. When I talk about medical student syndrome as, an, as a collective solution, it very much pays, and this is what I do as a coach, because I, I totally accept what you're saying there, Drew, about the fact that this is not, this is why I believe things like CBT struggle. Mm -hmm. This is not always, in fact, it's an entirely irrational thing. So the way I'm able to help my clients is through as much intuition as anything else and working from a, a practical point of view of having been through it myself right. and structure it in a way that says that you might not have thought about this, mm -hmm. but you're actually dealing with an addiction. And how do you overcome any form of addiction? What's the first step? Awareness. You've got to be aware that you've got an addiction. Right. 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 So when you become aware that you've got an addiction, why have you got it? Let me tell you why you've got it. Because of your powerful belief system mm -hmm. that you are using in a destructive way. Right. And so and if, now... If you start to shift that, you'll deal with it. Right. And so I, I fill my belief system with this new belief system. And then my raging health anxiety says, yeah, but you could be the one in a thousand. That voice is still there. That's the basis of it. But yes, we both but, agree, yes, but, but, yes, but. Yes, but. but but we agreed earlier that confidence is a skill. It is a skill, but this is why. Let me let me step in for a second. The CBT thing. You're right. The 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 more traditional parts of CBT are really ineffective with health anxiety. You know, it's super effective. Exposure and ERP, exposure and response prevention. So yes, I have this fear that I have this underlying condition, and I squelch my response to it. That's incredibly effective. Mm -hmm. Incredibly effective. And it doesn't require a whole lot of thinking and it doesn't require replacing an irrational belief system with a more rational belief system because the irrational belief system is still going to, yeah, but you might be the one this time. It's really cancer. Like, and that is what crushes them. So that, what that whispering voice that you just gave there, what I call that is the psychological bully, the, but the bully that resides in all of us. That's yeah, like the overriding it. voice yeah, that like tells it. us that we're no good and it beats, is up and it tells us we're a piece of shit and we're going to get cancer and we're going to fucking die. Right. That's, that's the voice that's part of our survival system. And whether we like it or not, Drew, mm -hmm. that is going to be consistently with us throughout our life. The reason why I mentioned that confidence is a skill mm -hmm. is because when you continue to build that skill of confidence in whatever technique works, like you mentioned, I mean, you've mentioned different techniques there and I'm sure you've seen some work and some not. Mm -hmm. In whichever way you build that skill, skill up, that voice 
isn't as powerful. And that's the only aim that I'm suggesting here. I'm not suggesting mm -hmm. that somebody with 30 years worth of a health anxiety addiction is going to be able to, within a few weeks, just because they've changed their belief system, it's yeah. going to fundamentally change them. It doesn't work like that. It's about understanding the process as much as anything else. What is the process? Mm -hmm. If you build your skill of self-confidence, what that basically enables you to do is tell that bully to shut the fuck up. Yeah, and I think, so we're headed to the same path again, and so much of this <laughs> okay, is- Okay, so it, listen, that, Drew. That in the end, but, it, but in the end, how do you tell the bully to shut the fuck up? By literally standing right up to him. Chin, chin, Correct. Chin, bring it, bring it, go ahead, bring Got it. it. But so we're, you're probably heading the same place that I am. I'm just not trying to get them to rationally replace beliefs. Like I want, I want your belief to come from an actual physical real outcome. You went toe to toe with the bully and you didn't get your teeth knocked out. That's, that's a new look. I have an experiential learning thing here that adds to a new belief system. I'm building a new belief system through experience. And, and, and but, the reason you also have to think about it too. You're right too. You're not wrong. You know, at all. Hey, listen, but, hey, listen, Drew. I'm, I I said a lot of words. If I, a lot of words. If I listen, if I learn a lot, anything out of this podcast, Billy, it's to be even more straight, fucking talking than I am, and I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> He's the one that brought up the c word. Not me, is is, is that yeah, is yeah, that yeah. even possible, yeah. Billy? I don't. Even, if I got any more straight, you know, then uh, you know, I'd become a That's drill great. sergeant. I think. I'm just great. listening. Oh, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. I learned a lot. Listen, okay. I think you're right. You're absolutely right, Drew. You know, look, what does this collectively build up to? Again, just to be straight, is I don't mention things like medical student syndrome. Mm -hmm. I don't mention that um, to give an inclination that it's about you don't believe in the right things. So you have to believe in this. Part of the empowerment process is to know that you're telling yourself a completely fucked up, stupid story. And, and there's a twat in your head mm -hmm. that's convincing you that that is that's the true like story. Now I can understand. So British. Right, we get, come love on, it. Billy, oh. we get in there, right? So British. Swear love more. Yeah, love it. I just needed to swear more, Drew, right? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why I'm not doing that, because this is what I do with clients as well. I'm with, yeah. I'm with you 100%, dude. Really on that. You're absolutely 100%. Real talk. 100%. 100%. And, and generally, what, what, what is the outcome from that? built confidence because the real manifestation of that is that nobody said that confronting the bully is going to be easy mm -hmm. but is it any harder than living your life in absolute fear I'll give it to you again dead on Absolutely. I call that still talking about. Really? I was gonna. Are we still talking about Corona? Are we still talking about Corona? I think it applies. I call, I call I've got another question, man. Up. I've got another question for people that might be struck like the isolation thing because that, can be, right. that can be that can be bad for you. I might. I think I'm supposed to be somewhere in about 15 minutes. That takes me longer than that to get there. Whoops. <laughs> it's all right. I can call. <laughs> I mean, okay. this has so been so much fun. I didn't expect us to go this long. Isolation. Social isolation, right. Uh, okay, what's the story that you're telling yourself? Um, social isolation nowadays, there's no such fucking thing if you don't want there to be. If you are connected to the internet, um, then you can have uh, a form of, of, of social connection. We've never been more connected as, uh, at any time in any generation. So again, this is about the story that you might be telling yourself. If I'm trapped at home, then that makes me miserable and I'm socially isolated. I'm going to go off of, of Drew's advice from earlier. 
and and I'm going to smack it out of the park. Wait, like, listen, I'm smacking it out of the park. Because I'm, 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 going, I'm going, listen to the logic of this, Drew. Come on. Right? If oh, we are told that the, the, if we're told, again, it's like fucking school kids, isn't it? But, it. you know, this is my problem, really, Drew. I don't like to be told what to do. That's, I think, what my answer oh, is. I can so relate. Yeah, you get that now, right? Got a complex. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. If the actual fact based thing and whether i like it or or robert kiyosaki likes it um whether anybody likes it generally if the government says this or they say that or they say this then collectively as a herd um that's the thing that's going to be done whatever a single mind suggests right so in that herd mentality <laughs> the overall thing i forgot the question go on no no I'm with you. if the herd mentality is to lock down then collectively people are going to feel more isolated because they are at home. Mm -hmm. But then you've got to suggest that like anything else, time will pass. Mm -hmm. These things will pass. So again, it's about the story that you're telling yourself. Is this, this, it's about the what ifs. What if this is forever? What if we're locked down forever? Think, start paying attention to the what ifs that you might be telling yourself. And then also on, based on those what ifs, Billy, what if what? What I mean by that is that in regards to social connection, open your laptop, pick up your phone, and, and you can be more socially connected than being lonely at any time in this generation. So it's about your perception. Yeah, so it's interesting because like I hadn't even thought about it because I'm great at being isolated, man. I fucking love it. But until they mentioned it on the news like a couple of days ago, well, what about people's mental health if they have to self-isolate? So. It, yeah with that i agree like the media has definitely put that in my head i would not have asked that question if i hadn't heard about it the other day because like, i'm cool with isolation i keep mentioning yeah. the term yeah. perception billy right yeah. Yeah. that again is just because of your perception see isn't it funny billy no it's because the media have told me about it it's a damn media that's why i've brought that it is god is that not what i've been saying they told you that yeah, i was agreeing with you, you know just then bad. Yeah. But then you're also going to continue watching the news. Hell yeah. Right. <laughs> Just in case I miss something else. See, how, how do you break patterns, Billy? You I break heard them today that you shouldn't, take, you shouldn't take ibuprofen. What you got exactly. to say about that? Yeah. Do we yeah. believe it? Well, maybe. I don't know, Billy. Do you? I don't, I don't, know. I don't. I don't take it anyway. I'm too scared. Right. So, so you're saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. that that well, I say paracetamol. Uh, I'll tell you what. On a serious note, though, guys, Billy, if you, if you want to break a, a pattern, a, a fearful pattern, you actually want to make a change. You know, you got to do something different. Yeah. See, I'm not speaking about self isolation as my fear. I'm saying other people, like because the news are talking about this, they're bringing it to people's attention. Therefore, it might be causing an issue. Excuse my dog. Love it. Always in for a dog. Yeah, she um, wants to be in. They might, but I think I, I have been, I didn't think about the people who were the other way. Like so many of the people that I deal with have a problem that, that you would think it would be their dream to like, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. But there are also a lot of people that are having a problem because they maybe started that way and then they've done the work to be able to get out and about, they're back to work, mm. they're back to school, they're living their life. And now they're being told. But now they're being told, now I have to stay in. And it's suddenly like, oh, I can't be busy all the time. I'm confronted with these feelings again just sitting with the feelings and, oh my God, it's freaking me out. So there's that problem has come up and, and a little mm. bit of the isolation because people learn to be social again and they're going to really miss that. It's yeah. definitely a thing, man. Mm. You know? 
But I think, Carl, you made really good points. You know, we don't have to succumb to it. There are a lot of ways that we can not be isolated, even though we're physically isolated for a while. And, and how do you not succumb to it? The same way that you just highlighted uh, what, what you just said there, Billy. Why do you feel the way that you do towards it? Because of the perception that you've got about it and you've had for a while. That's the story that you're telling yourself. You don't mind in, you being in your own company. What created that perception? Well, only you know that. Which is but great. The, the, the point that I'm making is if you've got a perception about anything that isn't working for you, get a mm -hmm. fucking different one. Mm. Yeah, change it. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do something different, as scary as that might be. I'm yeah. with you 100% on that. And, and where we can go even deeper, if you so wish. Let's go there. And where a good coach can help you is that you'll be working from perceptions that you're not even aware of. And they are influencing the entire quality of your life. Mm -hmm. And until you start to recognize what some of those patterns are and you feel that you would like to change that, if there is something in your life that you do want to change, then it's as quick uh, or possibly quick as developing the skill in that area to change the perception, which changes the outcome, changes the result. Okay. Yeah. That includes social isolation. What do you think, Dre? Yeah, I, I think in the end, you're right. If there's, if there's a problem and you, you, don't, you, know, you know you've got that problem, I think a lot of these people do know that they have the problem, just do something different. However way you come to that conclusion, in the end, you got to do something different, think something different, expose yourself to something different, and, and you can make a change there. So mm -hmm. whichever way you get to that conclusion. I saw a story, a blog, I think it was, 10 or 12 things that can come good from coronavirus. Mm. Okay. It's an interesting title, isn't it? A really interesting title. Yeah. And what's the difference between 12 things that coronavirus can completely fuck up? What's the difference in that? It's the same difference on which one you choose to focus on. And this is the hard balance of, of, uh, that we've all got in regards to not burying our heads and, and getting a, a good outcome of anything but also being realistic about what it is that we can do. But throughout that process, please keep questioning how you feel because that is, is something defining for you. And if focusing on 12 things that coronavirus is going to fuck up in your life is not doing much for you, focus on something else. Can you remember what any of the things were? That's where I was hoping we were going to go with that. On the good one or the bad one? The good one. I'm going to have to bow out of this though. I don't have time for all 12. But that's okay. You just give us four. Video. I'm good with that. No, give no, we'll four. I'll, give, I'll, four, give, I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you one uh, because it's. I think it's actually the most important one, and it's Come actually a, a key point that Drew's been mentioning. I think he mentioned it at the start. Uh, one of the positives that's going to come out of coronavirus is how it might get us to start to be more aware of things generally. And what does awareness do? It does everything. Mm -hmm. um, I, this, I speak about awareness every day. Whenever I speak to my clients, awareness is a key feature. What does awareness do? Gives us choices. Until you start to become aware of something, how do you know you've got a choice? You don't because you're not aware of it. What coronavirus will do for us is to start to add an even deeper level connection as humans. Why? Because we need to come together in a sense. We need to, there needs to be some form of, of uniting. And what will that do? it will add deeper levels of connection that we're not even aware of as it stands at the minute. And that is called growth. And that's what life's all about. All right. 
Boom. Can't argue with that. We'll take it. <laughs> I already had the mic drop moment. I know you did. You had the first one. Thank you. I had a good time doing this, dudes. Yeah, we should do I it. I liked again. it. I liked yeah, it. Next, I liked... Time, next time there's a global epidemic, we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Billy, if you're not dead. <laughs> yes. I'll be fine. Put in your calendar, will you? We'll yeah. be waiting for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, if we're not wiped out, my friend. If we're not wiped out, Billy, it's right? Be I'll be, be fine because I'll be watching the news. I'll know what shit's coming. That's exactly right. That's it. You're the one that's going to be informed, and I'm going to be the dumb twat, right? Yeah. Oh God. Listen, Drew. Nice to meet you as well. You too, man. This was really fun. I the anxious truth. About. Drew at theanxioustruth.com. Oh, theanxioustruth.com, right? ColVernon.com, exactly. and I'm anxietyunited.com. You already know that. Yeah, we'll do this again. Hi, right, peeps. Yeah, man. Let's do See it. You, see you guys later. See you later, Drew. See you later. Bye.